Hi, I'm Rich Fournier. In this episode, I sit down with Carlo Ricciopo, broker of record and owner of Royal LePage Realty Plus Brokerage. He runs a very successful brokerage with 200 high producing agents. Now in this episode, he's going to share his keen insights on what it actually takes to be a successful real estate agent in Southern Ontario. So stay tuned. Have you ever wondered why some people thrive in all areas of their life? Welcome to the Peak Results Academy podcast with your host, Rich Fournier. Each week, we interview industry experts who consistently dominate in the fields of health, business, and beyond. Our mission is to share their personal struggles and strategies so that you can create your own peak results. Welcome to the Academy. Welcome everyone to the Peak Results Academy podcast. I'm so excited today to be having one of my most favorite people that I've ever met in the real estate industry, Carlo Rapocho. I screwed it up again. Rachopo. Rachopo. I've known you for years too. I still can't say it right. Um, who is the broker owner of Royal Page in Mississauga, Toronto, and Oakville, a franchise location with them. And I'm really excited to have him here today with us, because as you all know, our podcast is about trying to figure out what creates a peak result in someone's life, whether it's in business, with money, finance, and health. And today we're going to focus on the success that Carlo has had by giving lots of service to lots of agents and clients throughout his career. And I'm super excited to have you here with us today, Carlo. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So we've known each other for at least 11 years. I met your wife initially about 11 years ago when I got in the real estate business, and she was a great help to me. And uh, sub subsequently after that, I met you, and, and you've always been um, someone I've admired in the business. Very few people um, have success in this business and keep their integrity, and you've managed to do both. So I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you. Now, you've been in the real estate business for how long now? Uh, it'll be 34 years uh, June, I guess, a couple of months. It's a long time. It's a long time. You look pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Must be all the makeup. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about showcasing of peak results, yeah. right? Um, but you haven't always been a broker owner. You were an agent prior to being an owner, right? Correct. I started in 86. I was still a university student, frankly. I was at U of T. I was finished my commerce degree at U of T. I was in third, between second and third year, I got my license. And so um, I sold property after my, and the third year university, still a full-time student. I, and the market was crazy in the late eighties. And I managed to make some good money selling real estate in the late eighties and pay for my own school. And it was the late 89, 90 when things started to get a little. Hectic. Yeah. 89, 90 is when things really took a really bad turn and it was really rough and and of course, that was the time when I decided to go on my own. So I was 24 years old and I decided to open up my own brokerage and I was just by myself. And in 1990, I opened it up and it was just, it was just a brutal, brutal time. Now, you know, we always talk about the accolades of someone and how great they've, you know, they've done, you know, now when things are good, but what was it really like back in the beginning? Like, was it, was money hard to come by? It, it was rough. Um, you know, being a, being a young kid coming out of school and I was making some good money, I made a lot of mistakes. Got into some debt. I bought some property that went south and it was really ugly. That's, that's how you learn. Um, but no, it, was, it wasn't pretty. During the early 90s, I mean, we had 60 straight months of declining prices um, from 90 to 95. It, it was rough. I mean, you sold a semi-detached in 1992. I mean, you had a party. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was some pretty rough times, but it taught us a lot. It really did teach us a lot compared to what it's like today. I mean, since 1995, it's just been straight uphill. Um, so, but if I didn't go through that or learn that, I, I would never have known or learned from that experience. And I try to impart that on a lot of our new agents or agents who've just been in it for 20 years and they have no idea what it was like. I mean, we would sell someone a house in 1991 and 1993, we'd tell them they've lost $100,000 and charge them 6%. So it, it, it was a tough grind. Now, how did you emotionally get through that? Were your, was your background, was your family into business and they could teach you how to manage this, this stress? Um, you know, full disclosure, yeah. um, I was still living at home. <laughs> so, so I think that made it 
much easier. I think a lot of people's lives got destroyed in the early 90s. So I was able to hang on um, because I was living at home. I didn't have a huge amount of expenses. I hadn't been married yet or any children. So it wasn't that bad from an expense perspective, but from an income perspective, it was rough. And I had to pay all the debts that I acquired from buying these properties and losing them. So it was was pretty tough. Got it. And then fast forward, you have... Um, was that originally a Royal LePage office? No, no. I opened up my own brokerage, just my own, my own company, my own sole okay. proprietorship. And I ran it from 1990 to 1999 till the end of 98. From the beginning of 99, I went and managed uh, a corporate Royal LePage office in 1999. 1999. Okay. So then you went into management. Yeah. With corporate. Correct. Okay. And then you decide to go back in and then restart another brokerage with Royal LePage? Well, what I did was I, was, I only really lasted about a year, year and a half. I wasn't a very good employee. Um, you <laughs> no, know, I didn't know what to do, eh? Yeah, as an entrepreneur, it was really tough being told what to do. So at about a year, year and a half later, I left and I just went back into sales. And I stayed with Royal LePage, went back into sales in Oakville, at the Oakville office. Yeah. And then in 2004, um, some good friends of mine owned a prudential franchise and I were interested in leaving the business. So I made it, but when I actually took over, I converted it to Royal LePage. So I only operated as a Royal LePage. Got it. That's been since 2004. Since 2004. Correct. Just bear with me. I'm just going to connect in. I feel like my internet's a little unstable. Just give me one second. Sure. See, things aren't always perfect, but there we go. Um, how many agents did you start with at that at that Prudential? There was, there was about thirty-five agents we started with. Yeah. Um, in an did all of them stay with you? I'm sorry. Did all of them stay with you? You know, funny you ask. The the day we took over, because it's such a secretive process, um, there were two top agents in the office who were very upset that they weren't informed and they actually left um, the day we took over. So it was a little bit of a rough transition. And how much of a percentage of revenue would they have? Well, because the nature of our compensation models, because we have a capping model, it wasn't, it was more devastating from a market share perspective, uh, from a volume perspective versus an income perspective, because everyone was capped. So whether they made 200 or 500, it didn't really matter from a brokerage perspective. Right. Um, But it was, it was optically, it wasn't nice. It wasn't good. It was a tough start. It was a tough start. And then over the years, you've continued to grow. Yeah, and then we were there in the location. We were in an older industrial location, and and in two thousand one, so by, within seven years, I'd I'd gotten to about eighty agents, and then uh, moved to our new location, and uh, we have about ten thousand square feet in our new location, and we've been hovering around one hundred and ten, one hundred and twenty agents in this specific location in Mississauga. And now you're, I think, total around two hundred. Is that correct? Close to two hundred. Yeah. What does it take to recruit agents and keep them? You know, I've never been, frankly, I've never been a big recruiter. I was never a guy on the phones. I was never a guy pounding the pavement or doing open houses. Um, I, got, I got most of my agents through referrals from my current agents. Hmm. I think my biggest, my biggest success has been not so much recruiting, but retention. Once we've had them, we've lost very few, if any, people over the years. Um, you know, the average attrition rate for, for most brokerages, I understand, from other coaches have always told me about 10%. Um, but we rarely lose one or two a year. Because I've just seen the stats from the National Association of Realtors in the U.S., and it's something like 87% follow rate every three years. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't understand those numbers. It just, they don't make sense to me. I've been very fortunate that once I've gotten them, they've, they've stayed with us. So let's get a bit more personal here. I, I'm really curious about that because – I mean, I'm still in the, in the business. I'm up here in Barrie. Um, you know, I do about 30 to 50 transactions still a year, um, maybe working half time. That's and, pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I'm fortunate we've been able to access the internet, but what I don't understand is that I see so many people um, jumping all around every day, but, but they're not leaving you. Why is that? I think it's a combination of things. So first of all, we're really staff focused. So I have between me and my general manager, you know, we have two people here in this branch yeah. with 85, 90 years of experience. I mean, my, my general manager has been in the business over 50 years. Yeah. A brilliant guy. He's been around a long time, worked for corporate Royal page for years. 
and him and I run this operation. I'm as the owner, but he's my general manager, but the both of us are here. So I don't know of too many operations that have two full-time experienced people with, you know, 80, 90 years of experience that are here for only a hundred, 110 people, 120 people in that that location, in this location. So I think there's a combination of things. Um, We have state of the art office space. Um, We have eight full-time staff people, including the two managers in an operation this size, which is probably a little top heavy, but I want to make sure my agents are serviced. And our model, our capping model, our compensation model has been very, very competitive. And so I think there's a combination of things that, that, that have led to that reason why people just don't leave. I mean, we've been very, very fortunate, you know, knock on wood, we just haven't had people leave. Um, we run a very tight ship. Look, I've always tell my agents that I've always got their back, but when they do something stupid or do something wrong, I'm going to tell them. Um, we've had a, you know, we've never been to a, you know, in 14 years and thousands of transactions, I've never been to a RICO hearing. Um, so, you know, we've had some complaints, but they've all been dealt with and they've all been, or, or been dismissed or dealt with, but we've never been to a RICO hearing and really proud of that because our agents know what Dan and I tolerate and what we don't tolerate. But, so do you mind if I interject here? Sure. I think that it's got to be more than just staff. It's got to be more than just a great location because I'll be honest with you, I've been in a lot of offices that have great locations. It's got to be something more. It has, like, there has to be something deeper that will attract a producing agent to you and stay with you for so many years. Okay, so I think, I think it's a whole bunch of things. So you can't yeah. just isolate them. But, you know, the brand, I'm, you know, if I didn't believe in the brand, I wouldn't be here. So the brand is obviously a top brand or 103 or four years old. We're 100% Canadian. So the brand is extremely strong. Um, I think the culture of the office, um, when I say culture, I don't mean ethnicity. I mean the, the, the mentality, the, the, the productivity culture of my office has always been there. We always preach productivity and we're always trying to help the people when they get to a certain level, how do they get to the next level? Right. And we determine like, who they are and do they, do they want to get to the next level? We, don't, we only push the people that want to be pushed. And if they don't want to be pushed and they're happy where they are, we're happy where they are. So I think it's a combination of all those things, state-of-the-art facilities, very experienced staff, um, experienced management, the brand, location. I think you need all those things. And I think ultimately, really, really important is the office culture. I tell people whenever I interview them, I always say, go on our website or go on the TREB roster and look up anybody you like. And I think you should call half a dozen people from the office. And I'm not going to tell you who to call but just pick any six people and call them and see how they like it, why they join and why they stay. And I don't know how many people do that, but I'm never worried about who they call. I don't think I've ever heard that before. And I talked to a lot of, a lot of, a lot of brokers, actually. When you look at the culture of your agents and why they're performing, um, where there's so many people in our, in our industry that, that maybe do was a 53% on, Oh, I know up here in the Barry board, 53% of agents do less than a deal a year. Yep. That's the same in Treb. Why? Carlo, you, you've got more experience than I know most people have. Why? Like, what is it that, what is that common denominator of an agent that produces versus a non-producer? What is it? You know, if I, <laughs> if I, when I've, I've had so many interviews and, and so many hires and some people have left because it's just not for them. You know, Rich, if I knew what the answer was in an interview, I mean, if I could sell that, I'd be a billionaire, but we just don't know until we see people work. And frankly, Rich, if you talk to my people, I I don't hold any punches. I'm very frank with them. I'm very honest with them, especially before they join the office. I tell them about the real estate business itself, if if they're brand new. I tell them what they're going to encounter. I try to understand who they are and why I think they might fit or they may not fit and what they need to look out for. I always tell them within six months or a year, I know what this will be a fit for you. And I'm very frank with them. I'm very honest with them. You know, we can have all the training programs on the planet, but Rich, you know, and I know I've put so many people through so many top end training programs. We got some of the greatest trainers in the world between Richard Robbins and, and Buffini and yeah. Rob Vivian and, and, and Chris Leader. I mean, these guys are the best. 
and we do all of their programs. Um, and some people take to it and some people just don't seem to get it. And so I'm a big believer in, in that you've, you either have it or you don't. And I people try believe to find, it can be taught. Yeah. I, I try to find the people that have it, but they can be taught, but they have to have it first. Okay. <laughs> so they've either, they've got to have the ability to, to be that person that can handle the real estate business. Rich, you know how difficult it is to stay alive in this business. You know how difficult it is to start it, to stay alive, and to, to continue to do it. And not only in the short run, but in the long run. Um, we have a lot of top producers who maybe show up for a year or two, and then they're gone. Because they couldn't handle the stress, they couldn't handle the things that go along with it. And then you've got producers that just keep doing it forever and ever. And those are the very unique individuals who are able to do that and do this business over the long haul. So there's lots of people in between. And, and, and I, like I said, you know, there's so many people that have come in with so much excitement, but they just don't have that little edge to make it work. And I, I'm a really name to the edge. I'm sorry. Can we put a name to what that edge is? <sighs> Rich, I, I wish I could. Um, I, I can see you, you know, I have, a, I have a few like amazing success stories in my office of brand new people that came in mm. and I've told them what to do. It may have taken them six months to a year to finally figure it out and they've been amazing. But I also have a lot of people who just done this. I've done the same things for them, but they, it just didn't catch. And I think the nature of our business, Rich, is that it's, um, it's, it's the human psyche, I think. I'm, I'm a big believer in this. I mean, we're not, human beings are not generally entrepreneurs and we're not generally um, able to, to socialize and to materialize our business efforts, especially in the real estate business. It's just not normal because 80% or 85%, unfortunately, our business failed. Yeah. And so there's a reason for that. You're actually more normal when you don't succeed than when you do. So you're more of a normal human being. I mean, they say in the U.S. that 90% of small businesses fail. So now you, you compound that with the actual real estate business, which is tough in and of itself, and you're running a business. It just adds to that difficulty. And so I just don't think there's a lot of people that can, that can make it work. I mean, Rich, you know, you look at, look at any profession of high succeeding people. Look, look in the professional sports. I mean, in professional sports, how many people make it into professional sports? The numbers are so, so minute. Um, it's incredible. So, I mean, we're not a professional sport, but it's, it's still a very high functioning, you know, profession that we're doing because it involves dealing with people one-on-one. -on -one. And I guess the ultimate point I want to make on that is that we're only selling ourselves. I always tell people we don't sell houses. We don't buy houses because anybody can do that. The buyers and sellers buy and sell houses. We provide a service. We provide, um, we take people's problems and try to solve them for them. So they're hiring us to help solve their problems. And when I call it a problem, I mean whatever they wanna buy or they wanna sell. And so they hire us for what we know. They hire us for how much we care, I think ultimately. And they hire us for our ability to communicate and to make them feel that we've got their back. Um, you know, and I'm a big believer that, you know, unfortunately our business, it's, it's just, I, I call it running amok. Um, I think that we have 55,000 realtors running around the GTA and it's unfortunate because, you know, when half of them, when half of them aren't even doing one deal, I, I don't understand, you know, I've had discussions even with people at Ricos, I don't understand why our business allows such a high failure rate. I don't understand, you know, there's no other profession, or sorry, let me, if I can finish, there's no other profession that, that allows such a huge failure rate and still be able to hold a license that you're dealing with people's prized assets. I mean, this is their lifelong asset. I mean, can you imagine if doctors failed 85% of the time um, or couldn't make it? If 85% of the doctors ended up leaving the profession because they couldn't hack it? I mean, it's, it's a scary thought, um, but we're the only profession that seems to continue to allow that kind of failure rate. Well, I think with what, 87,000 transactions at the peak or 90,000 transactions, so two ends of that. So say 180,000 
ends. Correct. Yeah, it seems like we have a bit. Do the math. That's three ends per person. Right. Okay. First of all, that's not even a poverty wage. Yes. By the time you pay all your expenses and pay your bills, it's so it's not like the top agents are doing well financially. You know, whether they run their business like a business is another story, right. but their top agents are doing well on the revenue side. I can't speak to the expense and, and, and net profit side, but you're talking 10, 15% of the agents, Rich, are doing all those deals, a, ma a vast majority of those deals. So what is the common denominator with that 1%? Sorry that I'm belaboring this, but I'm really trying to get this out because I think that there is a common denominator. And okay. as I interview people and work with agents myself, there seems to be a, a common denominator that's... Okay, two things. I, I, I guess I can say a few things. First of all, none of those people are looking for shortcuts. I'm finding today a lot of new players and some people that are tired in this business are looking for shortcuts. Yeah. I'm telling you there's no shortcuts. If you find one, please let me know because I haven't found one. There are no shortcuts. Secondly, it's hard work, Rich. Um, it's hard work. You've got to be committed. You got to be committed every day. This is not a part-time business. It's a full-time business. Not only is it full-time, it's full-time and overtime. Yes. You and I are never over. It's never finished. Even me as a broker owner, I take calls at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, helping my agents. My manager takes calls all weekend, every night. Um, we're, it's never over for us. There aren't many professions that have that. So you've got to be prepared for that. You've got to be prepared for understanding people in terms of their individual circumstances. I mean, imagine a top end agent having 20 listings and dealing with 20 or 40 personalities mm. and 20 or 40 different life circumstances. Yep. That takes a lot of talent, Rich. It, it, it takes a lot of talent for people to do that and it can be very stressful and very difficult. So it's those kinds of people. Plus dealing that, with the other agent. Yes, and you know, you know, you know Rich, I'm gonna tell you, and you, I always say this, I sound like a dinosaur, but in the old days, we used to know, I started in Mississauga, and it was, you know, I was in an office of 50 people, which was huge in 1986. It was a huge office of 50 people. And, but we knew, we knew almost all the realtors in Mississauga. And so there was no funny business going on. Um, you could have straight conversations. You weren't worried about someone giving you a ridiculous offer um, in terms of the paperwork. Um, now I find it really, really difficult, this business, because not only are we dealing with the buyers and sellers on a very high level, it's the agents out there that make it even more difficult. They, they just don't work together. Um, and, it, and it's shameful, but it is what it is. And that's, and that's what it's come down to. And I like to think I teach my agents this all the time. Other agents bringing you offers. They're your best friends, treat them, respect them. Um, you may not like them. You don't have to go out to dinner with them. You don't have to hang out with them, but you know what? They're trying to do business with you. So treat them with respect and, and, and treat them as you would want to be treated. I try to, I try to make that so clear to them and not many agents, Rich, all those qualities I just told you, how many agents can do that? It, it's tough. You know, I find there's a lot of agents who are very, very, very good with their clients because they take a beating, but then they're brutal with other agents. Yeah, sometimes I feel like ego gets in the way. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes there's that disconnect. So you What's mentioned really hard, hard work. It's hard work, Rich. I'm sorry. I haven't seen anybody find an easy way out of this. Right. And, um, and, and it's commitment. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. It's, look, we try. look I'm, I'm not complaining about my business. I chose this business. It's a 24-7 commitment. Yeah. Hard work, commitment. And is there anything else? Well, uh, you know, a constant learning mentality. I mean, if you think you know everything, that's when you know you've made a mistake. Right. Um, you just, we just don't know everything. I, I hear, you know, I can answer, you know, 90, 95% of my agents' questions. But if I don't know the answer, I know where to find it. Um, but agents need to understand that they just don't know everything and that they have to learn to, um, learn to know where to find the answers. And I think, Rich, I didn't say, I didn't say something. I, I think one huge quality um, is, you know what, tell the truth, Rich. Tell the truth. You know, my agents, some of them get mad at me. Um, they don't like what I have to say. Yeah. But I tell them, <laughs> you want my honesty when it's in your benefit, but you don't want my honesty <laughs> when, it doesn't, when it doesn't feel good. 
Right. And I think we need to do the same with our buyers and sellers. And not a lot of agents can do that. They want to tell their buyers and sellers something that's not true because they're trying to be nice. But I think they're trying to get the commission and keep the client, to be honest with you. Yeah, but in the end, Rich, the truth, you know, I know it's, a ter it's an old saying, but the truth will set you free. If you've got to be honest with them. You've got to be honest with them. Tell them the truth. Tell them what, what needs to be done to get what they need and where, to, where they need to go. And um, I just find a lot of agents just say and do things that, that the clients are just not buying, and, and they lose those clients over that. If you were to give some advice to a brand new agent coming into the game, what would you tell them? How to prepare mentally? So what I do, I, um, I usually have an hour meeting with a brand new agent coming in for an interview. And I'll be frank with you, some of them walk out of my, my meeting and go, this guy's nuts. He's crazy. So give me an example of what you're saying. If you don't want me um, asking, I'm really I, curious. I'll, I'll tell you, I, one of the first things I say, I go, look, I ask them what they, where they've been, what they've been doing. So I understand you know, what their mentality is. You know, why they're getting in the real estate business. I always make this little joke and they say, oh, you know, everyone's heard this. I love people and I love real estate. And I say, give me six months and you're going to hate them both. <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot of truth to that. Um, so I, I, I say, look, I go, I've got some good news and bad news. The bad news is you have a one in seven, one in eight chance of making it. And a matter of fact, if you don't make it, you're more normal than you think. And it's unfortunate, it's just the way this business is working and you need to choose wisely when you choose a brokerage because if you only have a one in eight or one in nine chance or one in 10 chance of making it, you've got to choose wisely. So I tell them that the odds are you're not going to make it. And, and if you want to make it, this is what you need to be committed to doing. And one of the things I ask them to do is I say, first thing is that I want you to go out and meet five people a day, do this for a month, if not 10 people a day, have five or 10 conversations a day with strangers, come back to me in, in a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, tell me how that goes. Go home every night, look in the mirror and say, I can do this, I'm okay. Um, and not everybody can do that. Because Rich, as you know and I know, it's a numbers game. You can sell your friends a house, you can sell your relatives a house, that's great, but that dries up. You need to be a prospector, um, you need to be a constant prospector, in order to do that, you need to be able to meet people and meet people all the time. And if you're scared of what you do, and if you're scared to say what you do, and if you're scared to hand out cards and talk to people, and sometimes get beaten up, and sometimes get terrible rejection, if that's not who you are, let's face it, Rich, how many times have you and I have been rejected? Every day. How many times have you and I have been, been hurt? Every day. Okay, it's every day. And, you know, I get... You know, if, if an agent, you know, like I said, I'm lucky not many leave, but when an agent does leave, it hurts. Yeah. And I say, why? And then I look at myself and say, okay, well, I don't just look at one that left. I look at the other 199 that stayed. And we're not very good at doing that. You know, we can get, we can have nine listing appointments, um, get eight of them, be that good, get eight of them and get one of them. One of them we lose. We don't, and what do we focus on? The one we lose. Mm. And, and that's another thing that you have to do to be successful. You have to just move on. Um, but again, it's, it's a numbers game. You've got to meet a lot of people and you've got to know whether you're able to do that or not. So a brand new agent getting back. I know I rambled on there, but <laughs> I, I, I just ask agents, I go, you know, I tell them, can you do this? I want you to try it for a week, try it for two weeks, try it for three weeks and come back and see me. Right. And do they actually go and talk to five people a day? <laughs> um, Rich, if they do, they're not normal. Right. And what did I just say to you? If you're one of the ten if you're one out of ten, you're not normal. That's when I know that you're going to make it or not. And they'll go, "Well, you know, I had to go pick up my kids, or you know, I had to meet a buddy for a coffee." And and I go, "Okay, when you went for coffee, could you talk to five people?" Well, you know, I was with my buddy, so I didn't want to do that. You know, when I start to hear those excuses, I start to know. I go, "Look, I don't berate them or anything. I don't. I let it go on for a little while, and I." I, I say to them later, I say, look, are you sure this is for you? Are you sure you want to do this? And, and Rich, don't get me wrong. You don't have to make a quarter of a million dollars to be successful. If someone comes to me and says, look, I want to make $100,000, no problem. These are the steps that you need to do to make $100,000. Yeah. But if you want to make $200,000, well, there's these steps plus these steps. You want to make $500,000, well, it's this, this, and this. And so I always ask them, what are your goals? What do you want to do? What do you want to achieve and why? 
Um, and, and that helps me tailor sort of my coaching to them right. and turning on where they want to go. But you're right. I mean, I ask them, Rich, and I, they go, well, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. So you know what I tell them? I say, give me, because, you know, one of my business coaches told me this once. So I kept, Carlo, write down every 15 minutes what you did and then come call me tomorrow and let me know what you did every 15 minutes. You know, I lasted a couple hours and I, and I put my pen down and I said, I get his point. Right. Which is we waste a lot of time. A ton of time. We waste a lot of time. Some of the clients that I work with today, in terms of helping them achieve whatever they want to achieve, I find that they don't have a clear cut goal or, or an idea of what they actually want. They have this general sense of it, but then they get wishy-washy in regards to, can I do it? Can I not do it? Do I really want to do this? And not many people that I communicate with who are not getting what they want. They just haven't really made a firm decision. Come hell or high water, this is what I'm going to do. Absolutely. If you don't focus on what you want to do. So you asked me this question, um, you know, Carl, do you, do you have a business plan? Do you, do you, do you plan your year? Um, look, I'm not professing what I do in my head. I know what I want. I know what my goal is for the year. I know what it looks like in my head. And I focus on that. I don't write it down, but I, I would never say don't do what I'm doing. I just happen to find that it worked for me. Um, but 100%, if you're not focused on what your goal is, and if you can't do it mentally every day, then you need to write it down and you need to look at it. Because yeah. I'm a strong believer in that. Because if you're reminded all the time, you will attain that goal. But right, again, we see in pictures, right? So you're talking visualization, right? 100%. You can't see it here. You can't hold it here. But again, Rich, how many of your clients do that? <laughs> when they first start with me not very many um the ones that last with me all of them do it of course and that's why they're lasting yeah that's why they're there is physical fitness a big part of your life to handle all this stress you know what i am um, it probably started about four or five years ago when i was pretty stressed out yeah. and i was gaining a little bit of weight i'm not a big guy but i was gaining a little bit of weight and i was feeling stressed out and i wasn't that healthy and it was really bothering me. And I, you know, and, and then I realized that I was just not physically fit and I wasn't, I was growing. Um, and so about four or five years ago, I made a conscious effort to really change my fitness. And I'll tell you, Rich, it's made a huge difference. It's allowed me the strength. It's allowed me the, you know, the health. I think I've had the flu three times in the last five years. I used to get one or two a year. Um, so you know, it can really, the stress can really knock you out. And if you're not prepared physically, um, it, 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 it's, it's hard to recover from. It really is from the stress. But yes, physical fitness is definitely a huge one. I understand that. I went through some health challenges last year and it was an eye-opening experience to realize that um, this vehicle that I have is a driving force with everything that I do. Um, and it threw me off. And you know, as I went through this process of getting healthy again, and it is without doing what I do in from a physical sense, eating right, there's no way I could do the million things I do in a given day now with two different businesses. Um, eating right is critical. Yeah. You know, I have, I love French fries, but yeah. if I have a poutine right now, I feel awful. <laughs> I love them but I'm just not used to them anymore. So I'll have a little bit, but eating is huge. Right. Um, it's a huge part of our stress, you know, mechanism our stress coping mechanism and the physical fitness. Like you said, it, it's huge. We, we got a great interview coming from a naturopathic doctor uh, up here. Who's been a big part of my life over the past year um, and talking about um, inflammation of the body and how um, it actually slows down our mental process. And we're not able to handle the stress that we would normally handle. Fascinating interview. I can't wait to release it, but. I want to, we're going to come back to some of those things, but I want to chat with you about something that's been on my mind. And I think you and I had some dialogue about this last year and that's technology oh, yeah. and how, and how technology um, has um, been the promised savior of the consumer um, that it's going to absolutely change how we transact and do business in real estate. I mean, it has changed. I mean, from electronic signing to, Free, but it hasn't freed up my time, to be honest with you. I'm actually on demand more than I, than I ever have been in the past um, because of technology. So it hasn't really made my life better. 
And I'm not sure it's making the consumer's life better because now they have so much information at their fingertips. I think it's actually a bit more confusing, but I'd love to get your two cents on how technology is going to change the business. Well, you know, <laughs> I know you're opinionated on it and I respect I your opinion. Huge, so I I want to huge, you know, and, and you know, I guess so many people watching this are going to think I'm absolutely nuts, especially the millennials or the, the Gen Z's. Um, look, technology has definitely, you got to remember I started, we, we had books, yeah. okay. Books that were this thick right. and we'd look through the newsprint. Was the rotary and, phone still on the wall? And no, we didn't have a rotary phone. Well, my, my aunt still has a rotary phone, by the way. Um, God bless her. Um, but we had these hot sheets and we put them in little binders. I mean, that's how long I've been doing this. So technology has changed, no question about it. I mean, I had a pager on my belt. I did not have a cell phone until three years into the business. So people, if they paged me, I'd get back to them when I stopped, you know, at a pay phone. Or I stopped when I, you know, got to another office. Yeah. Um, I would pop into people's offices and make an hour worth of phone calls. Um, technology has changed. There's no question about it. Um, I'm not a huge believer, and please, Rich, you can probably going to people going to kill me. I'm not a huge believer in the social media part, only because I have not been convinced. I have some agents that have some success with social media in terms of growing their business. But to me, I keep asking them for stories and why, and, and, and it, it hasn't really sold me on the actual social media part. Yeah. It's the relationships with those people that have gotten that business. Now, yes. I'm still a believer. Yes, technology has changed, but in the end, Rich, nothing has changed in terms of our prospecting. Nothing has changed in terms of needing to meet and getting to meet people every day and getting to know, like you, and trust you. That hasn't changed. How we deliver the information has changed. And yes, you're right. Sellers and buyers have so much information, but here's the opportunity in that. The opportunity is that they are so confused that they need people like you and me to decipher that information. And so more than ever, they need people like you and me, and we need to explain to them why they need someone like you or me to help them decipher that information, what that information means because there's just so much of it um, that it, it's, it must be over. I, I mean, I can't imagine being a buyer or seller today with multiple offers and the prices going through the roof and the financing complications today and knowing neighborhoods and knowing how to, how to decipher pricing. Um, I mean, it's, there's just so much information out there. And that's why I believe that all these technology disruptors haven't been able to completely disrupt us yet or even disrupt us yet. I'm not, a, look, I'm not oblivious to technology and saying it's never going to happen. I just don't see any evidence of real change um, in terms of these disruptors, so to speak, because no one's showing me. They have pumped hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, especially in the U.S., to disrupt the real estate industry and try to give buyers and sellers that information so they can make the decisions on their own. And to me, it hasn't worked yet because it takes people like you and me who do it 24 seven to be able to decipher that information and be able to provide the professional advice that these buyers and sellers need when they make a million dollar purchase. You know, Rich in the GTA, a million bucks is a townhouse. Like it's crazy the amount of money we're talking about here. I got some investments for you up here in Barrie. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. I, we look at it and one of my clients said, what keeps us in business? I said, fear, ego, greed, and ignorance. And those four things to me are, are key points. Um, fear of missing out on something, right? Making a bad decision. Ego, you can't get a deal together between two parties. Ego, again, you can't get a deal together. And ignorance about what's really happening in terms of neighborhoods, um, different areas, and price points on properties. So those things are interesting. You know what's really interesting though about technology? When we moved up here, Carlo, um, we had zero circle of influence. We didn't know one person up here. Well, that's not true. I had a friend from university who I used to stand on a bar with and drink a lot with, but he wasn't going to send me a lot of deals or any deals whatsoever. You know, we went from, I think, in the first 18 months, we did over 500 grows. Wow. Without knowing anybody. So 
Okay, uh, and, and tell me how you did that. Internet leads. So you used the technology, you did it strictly from internet leads. 100%. That's impressive. That's impressive. What, but all it was was a way to, um, all it was was a way to communicate with somebody who was looking for something, inserting yourself in the middle of that, and then creating a digital experience um, in the back end through video. Okay, but, but Rich, ultimately, it was still you. It a relationship. Was, you weren't communicating with them strictly digitally. You still had you still had contact with them. A hundred percent. So yes, I was a phone machine. Um, when we first started here, text wasn't there yet. Like we hadn't figured out the technology and how we wanted to do it best. And then, but video communication um, was so important because as they were reading my material or watching my video, they were creating a vision of who I am. 100%. And it was a way to endear them to me. So I completely agree with you on technology has not changed the business how we communicate to a 100%. I'm total agreement. Okay. But when they looked at you, Rich, when they looked at you, Rich, on the video conference, you were speaking professionally, you were speaking knowledgeably. There was something about your technique that made them believe in you. Because if you weren't convincing, after that video call, they would have gone to the next, they would have gone to plan B. So there was one thing, someone asked me, what was the one thing? And I've been, I've been trying to get this from you and I think I've gotten it. Um, because there is a one thing, and you've talked about integrity. You didn't say the word integrity, um, but you I did say that's huge. Um, being honest, being truthful, um, doing the best job you can for your client. And when we were making those phone calls and video, in my mind, I had to really, because there was fear. I had tons of fear. We have three kids. We're in a brand new market. Didn't know anyone. Creating something from, from scratch. Most people fail. I didn't think about the commission. <laughs> Rich, you know, Rich, one of the things I tell my guys, as soon as your eye is on the commission, you've got, you've got a problem. And I know everyone, anyone listening to this, Rich, going, yeah, yeah, sure, Carlo, yeah, sure, Rich. But if, if you feel that the commission is affecting your communication, affecting what you're doing, affecting what you're saying, you're in trouble. Because they will feel that in an unconscious way. And then one of my coaches, Bob Proctor, um, taught me that people don't even hear you. They feel you and they don't understand what they're feeling, but they will make a decision on a feeling. That, and, and that is the magic. And so from there, you know, I said to my wife, I'm not going to worry about anything. We're just going to go do the best job we can and be a servant. I know it sounds corny and if people are going to listen to this, say, yeah, yeah, sure. But be a servant to this person who doesn't know me. And my literal intention was, I'm going to, that was my intention to serve them to the best of my ability. But I also had to have faith that it was going to work out. Because if I didn't have faith that it wasn't going to work out, I wouldn't think that way. But Rich, think about how many people you serve that way, but you got no commissions from. Oh, can I tell you? Right now, our database, four years, four and a half years in. Okay, here. It's a four, yeah. I'm at about 10,000 people in our database. So 10,000 leads. Leads that I've generated. Okay. Right? That's crazy. I think our, two years ago, I think we did about 800 gross. I'm just saying that just because I'm looking at the number of leads versus what we did. Like thousands of people we've talked to and tried to help and tried to communicate with and send listings and send communication about what's happening in the market and don't go to this neighborhood or do this thousands in a short period of time. But the number of deals has been relatively small relative to the amount of leads we generated. So how many, think about how many people you helped but, but think about that, Rich. Think yeah. about how many people you helped honorably and ethically who didn't, you didn't make a dime from. Nope. How do you think they feel about that? They'd say, you know what? Rich is an honorable guy. You know you what? So, you, right? you, and I think you know what? It's not going to happen every time, 100%. But majority of people will see that. And if you're genuine, 
and you're providing service and you got nothing out of it, they go, you know what? And he's still a good guy. Like he's still trying to help us. So that is huge. And that's one thing Richie said, well, some of my success in, in, in growing the business, I think one of the things my agents always felt for me, look, I've had battles with some of my agents, but one thing, and some of them may not like me, <laughs> but I think they respect me and they know I've got their back. Yeah. And they know that they come before my business because without them, I don't have a business. Fair enough. 100%, I agree with they you. They don't believe that, it's a problem. Because even for the brokerage model, the, the pressures that are there are intense because there is so much competition for you. But there really isn't any competition because people are staying. It's really interesting what's happening for you. Well, it's competitive in that, yeah. I mean, I tell, I, I tell people all the time, I mean, we have eight Royal LePage franchises where I am. <laughs> I have the biggest Remax. I mean, Remax, Mississauga is the Remax flagship. Um, we've got large Sutton Group offices. We've got, you know, huge. We've got right at home. We've got, you know, massive players in the marketplace. So there's, you know, there's lots of huge competition. But again, it's good. It's fine. And not everyone, not everyone's gonna, not everyone's gonna gravitate to you, Rich. And definitely not everyone's gravitating to me. Right. I just look. I just want you to pick your clients, and I'm gonna try to pick my clients. And that's what I try to tell my agents. And I know I have, they have a hard time with that, but I really do look for agents that are a fit for our company. And, and that's part of my, you know, we don't grow a huge amount. We've been at 200 people for a few years now um, because I'm not, I don't really look at growing it like, you know, exponentially because I know everyone's name. Um, if I see them, I know everyone's name. There might be a couple that are new that I haven't met yet but very, very few in our other branches, but I know everyone's name and, and I like it that way. Um, so it's important to me that that culture is there too. Um, it, it's, a it's, you know, it's being able to control that side of the business as well. When you look at, I mean, this podcast is about trying to delve deep within our interviewees' minds and figure out what's made them successful and some of the things that I've gotten from you are that hard work. Hard work is still number one. Two, you had to have faith in yourself, right, to actually do the work that was necessary and believe that the work that you were doing was going to create a result. Correct. Right? You had to, because if you didn't have faith, you wouldn't do the work. And Rich, a lot of people don't get to that point because they fail a few times. And they give up. Learned helplessness. Yeah. Exactly. I get that. If you were going to um, tell someone today who's entering the game, and it is a game, um, and you're right, the, 12, the seven days a week, 16, 18 hour days, some days, what advice would you give them before they got in the business and then to launch into the business to have that type of success? Like, what are the few key things that you can give them today that will impact their lives and their families' lives in a positive way? You know, Rich, again, I, I, I ask them, I, I try to understand who they are and where they've come from. And what's their reason for getting into the business? The reason. Their reason. What's their why? Because we just, as we've been discussing for the past hour or so, is, is it's such a tough business and there's such a high failure rate. Are you prepared to give it all you got? Another thing is full time. You know, we didn't really get to that. Right. But as, as soon as someone comes to me, Rich, and says, you know what, I'm going to try out real estate. You know, as Buffini used to say, it, you don't try out real estate. It tries you. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, kicks you out. <laughs> there's no such thing as trying it out. You have to be full time committed. And you have to be the person that's not afraid to go out and meet people and learn who you are. So Rich, if I can give you, if I could say one thing, I say, do you know who you are? Do you know what you're made of? What experiences have you had in your life that's thickened your skin, that's prepared for rejection? You know, one thing I didn't touch on is, is that when we get rejected, the worst thing about our business, Unlike anything that you sell or buy or sell, we're not salespeople. 
we're service providers. And the problem is with our business that when someone rejects us, there's no one to blame but ourselves. Right. And it's a shot in the heart because if someone's rejected you, Rich, if someone's not listing with you, it's they're rejecting you. They're not rejecting Royal LePage. They're not rejecting, you know, the car that you drive or your, your CMA. They're rejecting you personally because they just didn't feel like you were the person that was going to get them to where they want to go. And that hurts. Yeah. And that hurts. So my advice to that person is, who, who are you? What experiences in life have you had that prepares you for that? And how much of that beating are you prepared to take? And how many times are you willing to take it so you learn about yourself, so you learn that it's not a failure, it's a learning experience. So when you have that mentality that I'm going to fail, that I'm going to learn every time I fail, um, I'm going to get to the next level because I'm going to learn from that mistake, that's huge. So a lifelong learning mentality you know, I always have agents when they come in, they come to me and go, oh my God, you're not going to believe what happened to me. I smile. I smile because I go, I can't teach you what just happened to you. Right. But I can tell you why it happened to you. I can tell you what it feels like because I did it. And I can tell you, and then I'll ask you, what are you going to do about it? Right. Excellent. And so that's, the, those are the things that I would say to someone coming in, you know, do you know what's really super interesting about that? And I'm in complete agreement. I'm extremely excited about that. It has nothing to do with lead generation. No. It has nothing to do about no. the website that you build. It has nothing to do about your autoresponder systems. It has nothing to do about your branding. It has <laughs> nothing to do about your circle of influence. You, Rich, you need all those things. But, you know, I can give you a thousand leads, Rich. Yeah. If you don't know how to convert them, if you're, if you're an idiot, I hate to use that word, I can give you a thousand leads. I can you get you the best lead generation tool on the planet, the best technology on the planet. But if you can't connect and convert that lead, it, what's it, what, what good is it? Nothing. What good is it? So, and, and that's where, Rich, getting the lead is one thing is we can buy our leads. We got the technology. We can do the things that you did. That's great, Rich. But Rich, what you don't understand is that you had all those leads. That's great. You use the internet. That's great. That's fine. But I could have knocked on a thousand doors and got maybe just as many leads. Maybe, maybe not. But my point is, what do I do with the lead? You're able to convert them. Uh, can I tell you a quick story? Um, I had a top agent in my office when I was at corporate in 1999. I had a High producing agent, 120 deals a year. This woman had three assistants, three licensed assistants. Um, I don't want to use names, but she had three licensed assistants. And she, and she came to me one day so frustrated that her licensed assistants weren't converting leads. <laughs> and she was so upset. And she was getting so frustrated. And, and she goes, and I go, what did you do about it? She goes, well, on, on Friday, we had a meeting on, no, we had a meeting on a Thursday. And I said, I said to my, my agents, I said, give me your 10 worst leads. The lousy leads you guys tell me that are no good, give them to me. So this team leader took the 10 leads over the weekend, came back with four deals on Monday morning, four deals on Monday morning and said, I guess these leads were garbage, right? So <laughs> there's a mindset. So it has nothing. I agree. It has nothing to do with the leads we generated. It has everything to do with, but a certain way, a certain way we think and there's a belief system inside our mind that has been reprogrammed to make that thing occur. Remember so I said about shortcuts? Remember I said about shortcuts? If you're looking for a shortcut, yeah. we, I don't know if you want to get into teams, but if you're looking for a shortcut, you're done. Because a shortcut is getting a lead. That's great. I got someone who wants to sell a house. That's great. Did they, you know, I don't think that lead walked into your office, signed a listing agreement at the price you wanted and walked out. I've never heard of that story. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. So you, there's so many other steps outside of generating the lead. However you generate the leads, that's great. But there's just so many stars have to line up for you to make an actual paycheck. You know, 100%, I agree with you. And there's the way you communicate, who you're being through the process. Do you, you're coming at it with a servant's attitude. <laughs> 
I mean, I could tell you stories where things did pop out of the blue, but the truth was they were two years in the making to create that pop, yeah. right? And that's I think patience. that's- So patience. you know what? We don't have a ton of time, but I yeah. do talk about teams. Oh Everyone boy. wants to be on a team or start a team. Oh boy. My opinion is very few people could ever start a team and make it work. But. So teams are all the rage. And I have a little bit of a, I have a little bit of a reputation of not being, I'm a, for the record, whoever's listening to this, I'm not a non-supporter of teams. I am a supporter of teams as long as they're built for the right reasons. And, and there's so many people that it's just that the problem is what I ask team potential team leaders, yeah. I just sit with them and I ask them why they're doing what they're doing. Why do you want to be a team leader? What is the reason? What do you bring to the table? Why would someone want to work for you? All those things, we talk about it in depth. And then I'll tell them, you know, all the things that can go wrong and things that can go right. I want to make sure they're fully informed. And then I'll have a discussion with someone who wants to join a team. And I'll say, what are your reasons for wanting to join the team? What are you expecting? What do you think the life is like of joining a team? What do you want from your team leader? And I go through all those and what do you hope the end result will be? And so I go through all those scenarios and all I ask the people to do is listen to what I have to say and think about it. And if they still want to join a team or start a team, I'm good with that. But the problem that I find, Rich, honestly, people create teams for the wrong reasons or they join teams for the wrong reasons, most times than not. Um, you know, team leaders hire an admin assistant first. You know, I remember one of the, our old trainers used to say, I won't use names, but say there's there's only one reason why you hire an agent. It's because you have so many leads, you can't deal with them. And you need someone to help you with your leads, not someone to help you line your pockets. Because that's the shortcut I'm talking about. Because eventually, you know, I always say, you know, if, if, if someone wants to join your team and they're not that good at what they do, you're going to get frustrated and it's not going to work for you. And it's going to take time out of your, being a team leader and time of what you do best. And if they're really, really good, they're probably going to leave. And I see that so often and I see so much turnover in these teams. And I, you know, I tell people I'm not a team leader. I'm a team leader of my brokerage, but I'm not a team leader in sales. And so, but that's all I do. I just lead my team. I have one job. I don't have a team. I don't sell real estate and try to lead my team, I just lead my team. That's it. Whereas team leaders have so many things they gotta deal with. They gotta deal with their administrative assistants. They gotta be employers. Then they gotta be leaders. And they gotta be salespeople. And we spent the first hour talking about how hard it is to be a salesperson. <laughs> now you compile all those other issues and those team leaders, what they're trying to do is stop being a salesperson, stop being good at what they do, and want to be a leader and a broker and try to have a little bit of a shortcut and have other people do their business for them. Yeah. I wish it was that simple. I, I have somebody who um, I can count as a friend. She runs a, a very large team. And um, what I know of her, it is complete servant's attitude towards her team. And it works. She doesn't sell anymore. She runs the team. But they understand that relationship. So she's, she's an anomaly, to be honest right. with you. Thank yeah. you. But, but it, it is working. The reason why it's working, Rich, is because there's some sort of symbiotic relationship between what she does and what she offers and what her salespeople are doing. I, I don't know this for sure, but my belief is she put all of her profits always back into the company, always taking However, care of her people. However she does it, it's working. Yeah. And it's working for her. Working really But, but, but the, team, the team members understand her role. Right. And she understands her role with the team members. And that's working. That's a really rare circumstance. So don't start a team unless you have an admin. And two, you have a plethora of leads that you just cannot work with. Why else would you do it? Right. And I ask an agent, and you know what too many agents have told me? I'm tired, Carlo. <laughs> I want someone else to do my work for me. Yeah. And I want to make money off them. You know, I, and I want to do what you do. Well, the splits that brokers get today, the team leaders aren't charging those splits. They're charging much, much higher splits. Right. 
And I tell, you know, I tell team members, I go, I charge you a fraction of that amount and you still have me as your mentor and coach. Great. Now, I also say though, if that team leader is providing you with leads and helping you run your business, which is something I can't do is provide you with leads. If that team leader is doing that and, and that relationship is working because it's working for you and for that team leader, then by all means, that's where you need to be. So that's why I say there's a place for teams. I just haven't found a lot of long-term successful teams. And just people start them for the wrong reasons. So would you tell your children to get in the real estate business today? I'm sorry? Would you tell your children to get into the real estate business today? Um, <laughs> I didn't prompt, I, I didn't preload that. I just kind of threw that out there. So I, I, as know, I, I, have, kids, I only have I one daughter. You know, I only have one child. She's 20 years old and, and she sees me and my, my spouse is a, is a, is a, is a, is a high producing realtor and, and she sees what we do and she has absolutely zero interest in it. Um, so it's not that I wouldn't tell them or would tell them, but if she had interest in it, I would just coach her and say, this is what you need to do. And you and, would say the exact same thing to that, to her as you do to your people. Absolutely. Right. Um, I wish, you know, I wish she would be interested in my business cause I'd have, I'd have a succession plan, which, you know, I really don't have a positive succession plan in that case. You might have so, to talk. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, and I always tell people, look, before you, and, and you know, I, I, I met a, I met a young fellow this morning. I had an interview this morning and he just went through all the courses. He did six courses with Rico, uh, with uh, Aria. I guess it's Rico now. Um, but they learn nothing about the real world. Yeah. And I just wish Rico or Aria would have a seasoned broker. Um, someone who's been doing this for a long time, whether it's me or anybody else to go and spend an hour with, those class in those classes and say, look, here's what you need to expect. And here's what you need to know. Here's what you're getting yourself into. Here's what the real part of the business is. And I, I wish they would do that. I understand it's pure academics, but when they come out of there rich, they just have no idea what they're getting themselves into. You know, I got lucky, you know, I, I got lucky. I, um, I had a friend, a mutual friend, um, and you know him, um, who had been in the business for about, I think three years, he was rocking and rolling at that time. And he took me under his wing and taught me how to structure a deal, how to put a deal together, what to say, you know, during, during a meeting, what not to say. And I had my own skill set, but in terms of real estate, I didn't have any. And uh, if it wasn't for that good, good friend, um, I don't know if I would have made it. Okay, Rich, but you had, you had some of the stuff. You had what it had, what it took to take that information mm. And, and do what you need to do. Look, it, it's like, I hate to use sports sometimes as an analogy, but it's like, it, if you're a fourth line centerman in the NHL, it's probably you're not gonna be a first line centerman, but you could be a third or second line centerman with proper coaching, proper yeah. training. But in order to be a fourth line centerman, you're not just some hack. <laughs> you're right. an amazing hockey player, right? right. Um, and so you have to be already talented so when I said from the beginning, you either have it or you don't, you have to have a level of talent to be able to take that coaching, that mentoring, and know how to convert it into your success. And that's why I say to you, it's incumbent upon people like me and even you, if you're coaching people, is to find, is to not try to put square pegs into round holes. You know, if you're a round peg and we're looking for a round hole, we'll try to match you. But if you're a square peg, I can't shove you in that round hole. It's just not going to happen. And so that's what I have experienced in my 34 years. That's amazing. You know, and even with some of the people that we do work with, what I have come to understand is they don't, they were never told what real estate really is. It's nothing to do about real estate. No, it isn't. That's been my experience. It has nothing to do about real estate. Real estate just happens to be the commodity that we trade in at the end of the transaction, but it is all, it's nothing to do with, with real estate. Prospect. 100%. It's pure relationship. Yeah. It's pure integrity. It's yeah. pure knowledge. It's all those things that you bring to the table. And that's what makes our business so unique in that no one's Rich Fournier, no one's Carlo Ricciopo. I bring a different skill set. Every human being brings their own skill set. And it's incumbent upon me to find the people that are interested in my skill set. 
That was amazing, Carlo. And I have to tell you, um, the profession um, is better because you're in it. So awesome. thank you for doing you what too. you do. You too, thank you for sharing some of this information because what, from what I see is that things need to be told again and again and again and again so people start understanding that this business is a great business, but you better work your butt off, have some integrity, and always do the right thing. Correct. Thanks again, Carlos. I really appreciate it. So how can people reach out to you if they have any questions uh, about the business of real estate or anything to do with real estate? My email address is real easy. It's just carlo at royallepage.ca. Phone number 416-917-7010. We'll make sure that's in the show notes. And uh, thank you again. And I look forward to connecting with you sometime in the future. It was an honor, Rich. Thank you for having me. Thanks, bud. Talk soon. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you are fit to work with Peak Results Academy, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to peakresultsacademy.com slash call. That's peakresultsacademy.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what do you really want out of life and your business? Number two, what is not working for you today? And number three, the exact strategy you should be using to create massive change in these areas. Remember, changing your life and creating massive results does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We're helping clients all over the world create peak results in their health, in their businesses, and in their personal lives. To see if we can help you do the same, head over to peakresultsacademy.com call. We'll chat soon.